0: Autism Spectrum Disorder is classified by the CDC as a significant public health issue, affecting nearly 1 in 88, or over 1% of all American children under the age of 18. With incidence figures this high, a different approach is needed for families dealing with this disorder to ensure proper care is equally provided around the country. One group is taking the care of individuals with ASD and their families to the next level, with collaboration across multiple disciplines and across many states. You're listening to Reach MD. I'm Paul Ruckus, your host. And with me today is Autism Speaks Autism Treatment Network Medical Director, Dr. Dan Corey. Welcome, Dr. Corey. It's good to be here. So, could you give us a little bit of background on uh, your professional work?
1: Certainly. I am a developmental behavioral pediatrician and a professor of pediatrics and psychiatry at the Ohio State University, and I'm based at Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio. I've been in practice for over 30 years, and over the last 15 years have spent increasing amounts of time with autism to the point that I assumed this role with the Autism Speaks Autism Treatment Network a little over five years ago.
0: So what is the Autism Treatment Network?
1: As you mentioned, with this increase in the prevalence of autism spectrum disorders over the last 15 to 20 years, there's been a lot of confusion and disagreement and controversy as to how to appropriately evaluate and treat individuals on the autism spectrum. Uh, Some people have felt that the diagnostic criteria are not strict enough, and as a result, they have wanted to be a little more precise in making the diagnosis. The use of diagnostic instruments, such as the autism diagnostic uh, observation schedule, Uh, or ADOs are some tools that are used to try to be more accurate in making an autism diagnosis. What we have done with the Autism Treatment Network is standardize the assessment across the sites that are part of our network so that people who come to these sites, families who come seeking an evaluation for their child, are going to get a consistent evaluation that is in keeping with the best practices so that it is an accurate diagnosis. In addition to that, we've been working on improving the ongoing care for uh, individuals on the spectrum.
0: So what is the goal of this program?
1: Well, the goal uh, is to eventually have a system of care that provides families with high quality, coordinated medical care for children and adolescents and eventually adults with uh, autism spectrum disorders. So a lot of this, uh, for example, over the past 15 or 20 years, there's been a lot of discussion about various treatments and whether they are appropriate or not, and also concerns about the medical conditions that are often associated with autism spectrum disorders, which might be overlooked. So our goal is to develop this standard of care and clinical guidelines that health professionals everywhere can follow so that the care received by these people is much more consistent.
0: One of the things with the Autism Treatment Network is a team-based care approach. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: When it comes to making a diagnosis, there are qualified professionals such as child psychiatrists, um, psychologists, developmental behavioral pediatricians, and, and, and neurologists who are very knowledgeable and capable of making an accurate diagnosis of an autism spectrum disorder. However, when just one of those professionals does it, we leave out other aspects of that individual's overall condition. For example, if I, as a developmental behavioral pediatrician, do the diagnosis, I'm not able to do the IQ testing and other psychological testing, that is going to be very important as we develop an educational plan for that individual. If we turn it the other way around, if a person is diagnosed only by a child psychologist who does this testing as well as reviewing the criteria, they may not be looking at the medical conditions that can be impacting on this person's autism. So when we have one discipline working alone, we may get an excellent evaluation from that discipline's perspective, but it isn't a complete evaluation of that whole person. So our team-based care allows us to look at the whole child, the whole adolescent, and develop a thorough evaluation, but also a treatment plan that addresses all of their concerns.
0: So you have this team-based approach for the individual, but you also have a whole family care. What does that mean?
1: When it comes to dealing with any individual, including yourself or myself, we don't live in a vacuum. Most of us live as part of a family. We have family members uh, and friends, and especially when we're dealing with children and adolescents who are still living at home with their families, the impact of that diagnosis and the associated treatments on the family is something that has to be considered. For example, Applied behavior analysis or intensive behavioral interventions is one of the preferred treatments for people with autism. To do that effectively requires 25 or more hours a week of one-on-one therapy with an aide. Now often that is taking place in the family's home that's going to have an impact on other family members at home, how they are interacting with each other as well as how they're interacting with this child or sibling. Making it to appointments for medical treatments, for other treatments, a variety of other aspects of treating the person are going to have a big effect on the whole family. So we emphasize working with the whole family, looking at all of their situations, um, parents' employment, schedules, uh, the finances of of covering their behavioral treatments, uh, a variety of issues to develop this plan. In addition, sometimes what the health professional thinks is the most important thing isn't the most important thing to the family. So we have been promoting what's called patient-oriented outcomes or patient-centered outcomes, so that we're looking at what the family hopes to get out of this and we can then prioritize their goals uh, along with whatever goals the health professionals feel are appropriate for that individual. So it really embraces families as a very actively engaged partner in developing and delivering the total care plan for an individual with autism.
0: If you're just joining us, you're listening to ReachMD. I'm your host, Paul Rakuski, and I'm speaking with Autism Speaks Autism Treatment Network Medical Director, Dr. Dan Corey. We're talking about Autism Speaks Autism Treatment Network. So we've talked about team-based care and whole family care, so I want to switch gears a little bit and talk specifically about the program. So you use a registry database in your network. How does this assist you at your individual sites?
1: When we started the network up, we had a handful of sites across the country who felt that medical conditions associated with autism were not being identified and treated appropriately and also concerns that perhaps these were part of a larger autism uh, phenotype or subtype of autism. So our initial focus has been on proper medical treatment of individuals with autism and assessment of those medical problems. What primary care providers across the country have had difficulty with is keeping up with what is really necessary. Families will come in with information that they have obtained from the Internet, and they wonder if their child has this problem or does my child need this treatment? And often they're treatments that the primary care provider hasn't heard of and is not acquainted with. So we developed a registry so that we could collect the problem symptoms that individuals have and really document how frequently these things happen. For example, we found that sleep problems occur in about two-thirds of all individuals with autism who are in our database. That says that that's a significant problem, and it's one that we need to address as we develop a treatment plan. We need to determine is there a sleep problem and how we can best treat that. The registry has also helped us understand more about GI problems, and some of our other work that we have done has helped us identify problems with obesity and so forth. So the information that we as a network are learning about people with autism Across our sites, we're able to collect this and learn more about management more quickly than if it was just myself seeing patients and writing about my experiences. And then what we learn from each other about managing these, we're able to share more quickly across the network so that families and individuals receive the benefits of that care as quickly as we can validate them.
0: So, what kind of training do you offer to existing sites and new sites as they're brought into the network?
1: Our sites, as they came into the network, were already identified as providing a high level of care. However, from site to site, there would be variations. Some of the sites might not have a speech pathologist as part of the team, other sites might not have had a psychologist as a regular part of the team. So, what we have done is to standardize that care and in those sites that weren't doing something other sites that had experience with doing something provided training to them we've also have meetings a couple of times a year to discuss the various treatments we have and most recently over the last 3 years we have been engaged in a very intensive and comprehensive quality improvement training program where we have provided training to each of the sites in quality improvement science. Now that may sound strange and you wonder how is that going to improve care, but part of that quality improvement is assuring that every child gets the same care. It's one thing for someone such as myself to say, well, I always do that, but often you find when you look at the records, maybe you do it 80% of the time that's 20% of the time that you're missing it and not giving that person as thorough care as you could. So our quality improvement training has helped increase that reliability of families getting that thorough assessment, and that carries over to the treatment planning. So we're developing guidelines that we follow so that whether you are being treated in California or in Boston, you're going to be getting the same management which we have found to be effective. And that takes out some of the individual preferences that some physicians may have that aren't necessarily based on evidence.
0: So what would you consider the strongest aspect of this kind of collaborative interaction?
1: I think the strongest aspect is this standardization that we've achieved using standard forms, a standard assessment battery so that the diagnosis is an accurate one, and then developing some standardized treatments uh, for specific problems such as insomnia or constipation. Those are those have been really important. As a result of those things, what we have seen are improvements in identifying GI and sleep problems. Uh, when we start asking about that and we ask the question, does your child have any GI problems, often a parent will say no. And if we push a little further and we say, does your child have problems with constipation or with GE reflux, they'll say, oh, well, yes, but, you know, that's been there all the time. So we find that there are ongoing problems that have been there so long that the family has accepted them, and, in fact, we might be able to treat those better. So those improvements in identifying problems and then improvements in treating them have been important. Another important uh, issue has been the uh, improvement in monitoring medications that we've done. Uh, Many individuals with autism receive medications that help with symptoms such as aggression or irritability. And those medications require close monitoring because of their potential side effects. For example, some of these medicines can increase your risk of developing type 2 diabetes or high cholesterol, or weight gain. One of those routines that we've developed is monitoring these side effects of these medicines on a regular basis so that these medicines are being used appropriately and as safely as possible. We've also provided some information to help families make decisions regarding using those medicines. So we've been very pleased with the results that we've had to date because they have helped shed light and clarify just how frequently some problems are occurring and help demonstrate what treatments are helping.
0: Well, my thanks again to my guest, Dr. Dan Corey, Medical Director at Autism Speaks Autism Treatment Network. Dr. Corey, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, Paul. It's been a pleasure.
0: We've been discussing autism spectrum disorder. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com, featuring podcasts of this and other series. I've been your host, Paul Rakuski, and thank you for listening.